Hello and welcome to the Leadership Prescription Podcast for Women Physicians, where we inspire, motivate and empower every woman in medicine to be the best leader you can be, and where we give you the practical skills and tips to help you in your leadership journey. I'm your host, Dr. Asha. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Leadership Prescription Podcast for Women Physicians. Today, my guest is Dr. Vinita Mittal. She is an Associate Professor and Division Chief of Pediatrics at UT Southwestern, and we are going to talk about her personal leadership journey today. And this is the crazy part. Uh, Vinita and I met 22 years ago as first-year medical students in India, and then after the first year, she transferred out, and then we connected was it last year, probably, yeah, uh, on yeah. a Facebook group for Facebook women physician group. leaders? And isn't that just absolutely crazy? Crazy. You know, connected <laughs> like this. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't even know, Vinita, what you thought when, I, when you got this friend request from this person who's probably you didn't remember with a different last name. So I, I remember seeing your picture and I'm like, wow. It's insane how social media brings us back together. So we just want to get talking about leadership because that's what we are focused on. And let's start with uh, asking you what, what leadership means to you. What leadership means to me is having a growth mindset, having the passion to connect people to their passion, to build a team, and to be the role model. Because when I look at leaders, I look at certain qualities in a leader and what I'm looking at, not just what they do, but who they are, you know. And so who they are in terms of their morals, their ethics, I think that resonates a lot because that is an important part of leadership. So all of that is what leadership means to me. Someone to look up to, really. Yeah. So and Someone who role models the way. Yeah, yeah. And that is it's so different in different things because I feel like medicine um, is a completely different ball game from so many others. And I know you've had a different journey coming as an immigrant physician coming from India. And I saw you had been in a couple of different countries. So tell me a little it's, bit about that. You know, that it's been an interesting journey. So I did my residency from KEM Hospital in Bombay in pediatrics. Mm-hmm. And then fell in love with my husband we are two different religion and we felt let's go do let's work outside sometime till the heat settles down we went to Australia worked as a neonatologist for two years Uh and then felt we'll do MRCP and from England and then go back and then we did the MRCP and we started loving staying abroad and then we said okay so many of my friends were in US so we wrote the USMLE and here we are so traveled a lot yeah and now and now in the in an academic center in Dallas, and you've been there for I think about ten years, right? Thirteen years now. Thirteen. Thirteen years. years. Okay. Yeah. Slowly moved up the leadership. Yes, I think I was very fortunate to move up the leadership, and I always wanted to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Always had those kind of ambition, which right. looked at ambition. But I feel very fortunate to have got the opportunities and met the people where I could continue to pursue my goals. So let's talk about that ambition, because that's something that, you know, as women physicians, we get either you've got to be super nice to be deemed successful, or you have to be the typical abrasive woman physician who steps over toes. It doesn't have to be that way. And tell me about ambition and what that meant to you in moving up in leadership. 
or in becoming really becoming a leader i think ambition for women is viewed as a negative connotation with all the books and all the articles we read about women like it's never right either way i think the first step in ambition was to recognize that i was ambitious when i had my kids i was joke with my husband and say i think i'll just get part time and my husband's a neonatologist and i said how are we going to work i'll just go part time and my husband would say are you crazy if you go part time we'll all go nuts and like why are you saying that and it was like no don't you realize you like to do things and don't you realize that you want to do more and honestly i did not realize and i think the self discovery part of realizing yeah i i am ambitious i like to do more and i can't do this and i want to do that and i want to be in the middle of a ward and i want to be in charge of things and i want to fix things and i think going through that journey and realizing that yes i'm an ambitious woman and then not having the guilt of saying that i'm an ambitious woman because the moment you talk to your family that you're ambitious who are encouraging you but in the workplace a woman who's had two kids and you're not mat time you are like oh you want more and it makes you feel guilty that you want more and to go through that phase of your life and accept it that yes i want more and to be comfortable with that to to be comfortable and say yes i am ambitious and be comfortable with that because there was time the word was thrown at me you're too ambitious and i would feel guilty and said oh my gosh i'm so ambitious why am i not some other people but through that realizing that it's okay to be ambitious it's okay to accept that you're ambitious and it's okay to not feel guilty or bad and move on with the fact that you're ambitious and move forward with it and i think that took some time to come to terms with and what helped you with that because that is not an easy thing to do especially when you're being told you're too ambitious and you get all that negative feedback what helped you i think just believing in yourself recognizing it that you are who you are and i think my husband was very supportive my family is very supportive i've got a lot of friends who are ambitious like me and they were in the same boat so talking to people and meeting sort of mentors you get your roadblocks and if you are ambitious you will get roadblocks you will be pushed and because you are also pushing the hot buttons because you want more so it's a push and pull that goes on and you meet the right people you talk to people you learn from people i read a lot of books management books and started realizing yeah i'm not the only one there are a lot of people into this and then learning the way learning how to get your way how when to give in when not to give in when to push and i think through that process you self discover through that process you learn to adapt and through that process you discover how you want to be treated how you set up expectations and you learn to stand up for yourself but it's a journey it takes time we are not taught these things in medical school we are not taught management skills we are not taught leadership skills so we learn by default and i think it was a process i would say so two things just struck me there the one thing is we talk about this a lot in term finding your tribe and you sound like you found a tribe of other women physicians who were equally ambitious but or who were a support group for you and i think that's a really important thing for women physicians to do is gather a tribe of support yeah and and then the second thing i heard about and it seems like your husband recognized your leadership capabilities before you did in the beginning and that to have that support i think is also 
very key. So with a, with a dual physician household, with both of you working and with children, how did you manage? We have so much respect and trust with each other. And my husband is very supportive. And I'm very fortunate to be in a relationship where I can say it's 50-50. Uh, I remember when we had we had decided to have our second child, there are some days I would be like, oh my gosh, I wish you could have the second child. And he was like, trust me, if I had a uterus, I would. And he's the kind of person, if he did have a uterus, he would. I think just having that kind of support was helpful. It's not easy. I don't want to paint a rosy picture. Just a, having supportive husband is not the only thing. You need to create your tribe around you. Mm-hmm. I think taking all the help is okay. I've had a lot of people helping me when I've had kids. And I think really sitting down with yourself and then maybe your spouse and discussing about what you want your life to look like. When we meet our spouses, we are young and it's different. You're getting married, you're in love, you're going to have kids, you have your kids and life happens. Things change then. And then you want to sit down and say, okay, just like I discovered I wanted more, just like I discovered I I am ambitious, I want to do more. And my husband made me realize that. The next step was like, okay, now we both want to work. We both are full time. We have two kids. How do we run the ship smoothly? And that's when the discussion about, okay, do you want to spend money on a nanny? Do you want to pay full time? Do you want to do those things? And we realized that we would talk about financial stuff and say, look, I look at my 401k. If I didn't have all this help, it would go much faster. And then we realized our philosophies, instead of dying every day, we'll die one day. Mm -hmm. So we have outsourced a lot of help when the kids were young. I've had people who would cook, who would clean, who would help out. So when I came home, we spent time together and we worked hard and we spent time together. But again, being a hospitalist and living with an intensivist, there were days when my kids would joke and say, are you both on call? Can you make sure there's some milk and bread at home? (laughs) And uh, we would laugh and say, why do you need milk and bread? Be creative, figure it out. So joking, your kids also learn to be independent and you don't fuss on little things like when I have play dates, my house is, it is what it is. And I don't fuss on little thing. We spent more quality time together. Things were never perfect, but we spent time together and that's what mattered. So I think adapting to that lifestyle and having a conversation with your partner about how is it going to look like and where is it that you will give in? In our case, it was financial. We agreed to get all the help we needed and it was okay because we felt that allowed us to have quality time. So important because I've I talked to a lot of young women physicians who are just starting out in the in their career and it happens to be the time that you have young kids and that's always the struggle, you know, what do I go part-time and give up the climb the academic chain ladder of uh, promotions at the, or do I go do that? My family life suffers. And so it's so important to get that balance. There is no balance, but to get There's that. No ba- I think there is no balance. And to pretend that it's balance, I think it's false. I feel I'm always juggling. Some days the home front is great. Some days the house front is great. But as long as overall your priorities, I think you're okay. Another thing which somebody told me, which helped me a lot, is that academic career, it's not a race, it's a marathon. So it's okay to slow down a little bit when kids are young. Like now I have so many of my junior faculty and I tell them, look, you have a beautiful husband. Your marriage is so beautiful. You're having your first child. You're writing this paper. You are doing this journal club. You're doing this. Slow down and enjoy. We are all type A. We also have to realize that. Mm -hmm. And I think it was okay to slow down for a few years and then catch up. Mm -hmm. And, And that's important too. Yeah, so important. And so uh, let's talk about your academic journey in terms of 
What helped you? What hindered you while climbing up the academic leadership path? I think, so what helped me was finding good mentors. I'm a clinician educator. I am not on a research track, but to move up the academic ladder, you need to learn to publish. And and as a foreign graduate, I, I trained in Bombay and we didn't learn much research. So I had interest in clinical research. I like quality improvement, but I think finding the right mentors who taught me how to write a manuscript, how to write an abstract, how to publish, which is so important to climb the academic ladder. Uh, So finding the right mentors, not just for the academic climbing, but for leadership role as well. And a couple of things, it's funny, you meet people and once in a while, somebody says a one-liner and it impacts you so much. And there was a time, and I'll talk about Hinder in, in a minute, when I was having those roadblocks and somebody told me politics is always local, you need to go out nationally and develop your clout and your your group. And at that time, it felt like going out nationally is such a big deal. What do you mean? I'm a hospitalist. I see patients. That's all I know. But I think realizing, just listening to that and going and attending a few meetings and I started meeting people and then getting connected and then getting into little committees and your world opens and you meet all these people who are very similar to you, but you don't have to deal with the political aspect because they are not in your institution and, and they guide you and they tell you things. And to me, that was a great statement that politics is always local. So those were the things which helped. In terms of hindered, it is in academic, academia is a competitive place. We are all competitive people. We all want to do more. Those pushing hot buttons and pissing somebody off or somebody else trying to block you and saying, now you can't do it. And you go as a junior faculty, you go through your emotions and you get angry and you ma- get mad. And I think in that you learn to manage your own behavior. I think we are also not taught all these skills and learning to manage your own behavior where you can comfortably sit in front of a senior person who, a senior male who is trying to tell you that you cannot do something, to sit with them comfortably, look them into the eye and ask why and have that conversation and talk through that whole process of why you cannot do what you want to do. It's a very liberating experience, but it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time to get there, to first not feel nervous, not get angry, not get anxious, not sweat, not get the tachycardia, not feel intimidated. It takes time. It takes time to sit down in front of people who blocked you, look into their eyes and say, why do you think I cannot do it? What will it take for me to do it? And make them walk through the steps agree on some, not agree on some. But I think that's the kind of leadership journey we all go through, but we don't know that. And I think we cannot know that until you go through it. True, true. So we talk about mentorship and sponsorship and all that. So how did you, for someone who's just starting out, how did you find your mentors? um, Or sponsorship is a different thing, but how did you find your mentors? So a lot of mentors, I would say. I've had local mentors. I have national mentors. The best way to find a mentor is to keep your eyes and ears open and to be ready to be mentored. When If you really want to find a good mentor, they are going to tell you your deficiencies. The question is, are you ready to listen to it? Absolutely. And uh, are you ready to listen to it? And I feel that's the difference between people who want to do more versus people who will give up. People who want to do more will learn to adapt, will learn, will do whatever it takes to get better. 
And I think I found my mentors in all places. And I joke with my mentor that I met my mentor at a bar at a conference where we were in a hotel uh, post dinner. Everybody was sitting and talking and there was a 30, 40 of us talking and I just started talking to her. And we were, she was so nice. And I, I don't mind sharing her name is Dr. Mary Ottolini. Uh, she's a very well-known figure in pediatric hospital medicine and in pediatrics in general. She's a very normal, nice person. We were talking about life and family and how hard it is to balance. And then I realized she was a vice chair of education in some place. And she was so nice. She was so nice. And she talked to me. She guided me. But I think being open to people, talking to people, and then reaching out and saying, can you guide me through this? Can you help me with this? And when you do ask, then you do listen, you follow through. Often people say, I don't have a mentor. I can't find a mentor. But you need an attitude to find a mentor. You need an attitude to say, I need to be mentored. I know that there are some things I need to learn to get to the next stage. Will you be willing to mentor me? And then if somebody's willing to put that time then talk to them, follow with them, circle back with them. I, I also met a local mentor who was my division chief then, a very different style from my national mentor, very tough, very focused, but he has made a lot of impact on my career, teaching me time management, teaching me how to do you know things. And I felt at times like I was treated like a school kid. But then you have to realize that it's mentorship because they are trying to teach you the habits that you need, the discipline that you need to get to the next stage. The question is, are you open to it? So similarly, I've met many mentors around. It's literally, you, it's, it takes a village. It, it literally is like raising a child takes a village. Getting to the leadership position also takes a village. And you build your tribe. You trust them. You work with them and you keep an open mind to learn. Otherwise, you cannot get to it. So true. And I I like the fact that you said about the politics being local because a lot of help that I've received as well has been outside of, not even state, outside of the, at the national level. And it needs the ability to look, network and accept and ask and ask. So, so important. When we had briefly texted or chatted before, you mentioned coaching has had a big influence in your life and journey. Can you talk about that? Sure. Yeah. I'm a big fan of coaching and I had no clue about it five years ago. I decided to get an MBA in healthcare executive leadership. And part of that was coaching for seven sessions. And uh, I didn't know what coaching meant. And this was my university. There was a coach who was supposed to come talk to me and uh, go from there. And I was thinking, I'm not going to sit with a stranger and tell them what I feel, how I feel. And uh, that I'll talk to her for some time. And that's it. And I was like, how am I going to get through seven sessions? And then I met with my coach who told me about coaching and who said how coaching is between the coachee and the coach. And it's a privacy agreement and she's here to help me get better. She had my 360 degree evaluation with her. I had seen that before and she just talked to me and uh, she just talked to me and she asked me questions and I had decided I won't say much. And there I was an hour later drawing out my life in front of her, telling her everything. And I realized it's not just talking. It was the next week we had a session uh, in my class about coaching as leadership style, which talks about the model for coaching. And I believe And that's when I was like, wow, that's what she was trying to do. She was trying to ask me the how question. She was trying to push me in the areas of my brain where I didn't want to go. And it was so liberating. And since then, I've had that coach for five years now. And 
I, I coach, I use coaching as my own leadership style in my division. And I hope to get coaching certified one day because I'm a firm believer in that the process of making you think through your own problems and come up with a solution. Instead of somebody telling you do this, do that, they make you think through your own problems and you come to the solution. It, it's, it is amazing if you go through it and if you believe in it. It's interesting because it was your one of those posts from you that kind of introduced, well, not introduced, but made me think about it and get started on that myself both being coached and becoming a coach. So yeah, <laughs> this is what the community does, right? The right. community, we support each other and help each other and introduce ideas that help each other. Absolutely. All right, a couple of uh, fun facts, a fun fact about you. Fun fact about me. I'm very stretchable and I'm trying to reach some goals where I, my daughter is 18 and she's very healthy and she's very strong and I'm strong, but I'm very flexible okay actually flexible <laughs> <laughs> you'd be good in yoga <laughs> I am I, I try to do as much as I can yeah just to wind down a little bit in terms of young women entering into a medical career what are a few things you would tell them as they're starting out now some may not have thought about leadership and some may have thought about leadership so what would you would your advice be to them you've already given a lot of great tips but if you had to distill it down to a few things beginning i think the biggest thing to realize which i have realized is that when you finish your medical school and we finish our residency and we get into academic medicine as a career, it's not something that is a known territory. And realizing that, yes, you finished this and you've got to a step, you think, but taking the time to really know what academia is. I wish somebody in my first two years had taught me about different tracks, had taught me about what it means to be clinician educator, what it means to be a clinical scholar, or how much time you need to get promoted. And it's not about Initially, you're told build a niche and you need this many things. And in seven years, you can go for promotion. But it seems too much at that time. So my advice to the younger people would be to, to take the time to understand, to talk to people, go meet with all the faculty in your division or in your department. Even though you talk to them all the time, take that 30 minutes, sit with them one-on-one. -on -one, and that's your time to really ask these kind of questions. Because day-to-day -day when we are chatting, we're not asking. Ask them their journey. Ask them tips about how to do it. And I think academic career builds on itself. And how do you start at level one? What do you do at level two? How do you start developing your niche and your interest? And understanding that is very important. And the only way that can come is sometime if you really go meet a lot of people and then put your head together and say, okay, what do I like to do? What do I want to do? And should do what you want to do. I think you said not everybody may want to be in the leadership journey. And I think recognizing that if you love seeing patients, then you should only see patients, but be a great clinician and be a great educator. And that, that is important. I think the frustration comes sometimes when people don't know or they feel the pressure to do things which they don't want to do. And it takes time to recognize that. It takes time to understand academia. And even though there are academic roles, it, every institution is different. So trying to understand that and first two years learning that, I think initially I also see some junior faculty coming in just after a year, get very frustrated and very angry about things. And, I th and that's when you realize that, yeah, I was the same. But then what changed all these years is 
understanding the system, coming to acceptability, growing yourself, understanding yourself. And I don't know whether you can understand that, whether going through it is where you get those facts. Like there's no quick fix to leadership. Mm-hmm. If you just join in four years, you're not going to be this. And it's not that you have to earn your way, but you have to learn certain things to do those things. And it's that journey. So understanding that journey, developing that network, and really being good, building your reputation. We've not been taught about networking or managing your brand. I think Mm -hmm. one of the big things which I talk to my division, and I'm a very new division chief in the first year, is that we are building brand for our division, but we are also building, building our individual brands. And knowing how do you build your individual brand, if you're going to be screaming and shouting at every consultant and picking a fight with them, you really are not building a brand. But that doesn't mean you allow people to treat you how you don't want to be treated. How do you set up those boundaries? So I think building your brand before you have caused damage is important, but we are not taught those things. So I would tell a lot of junior faculties, really look around, look at the people who are successful in your department and divisions, Look, watch them, learn from them, talk to them. It's okay to reach out to them. I don't think people mind helping each other if you put the time and the effort. So getting to know people is very important. Yes, a lot of good advice. Did you face any challenges with being an immigrant uh, woman physician? I think not directly because I was uh, an immigrant, but I think I did. I did because you have to prove yourself at every stage. And I think women have to prove more. It's a known fact. I faced the usual challenges a foreign medical graduate would face. But I was very determined what I wanted to do. I knew I'm going to work hard and I'm going to, over time, realize I will network with people. I had my own barriers. I think they were not one. There were so many. I'm thinking which one to start with. But I think that's what made me more motivated to keep doing, to be part of committees. It's okay to raise your hand. And I learned to sit on the chair, sit on the table and not be on the background and reading all the books and later on getting an MBA because I felt as a woman, I need all that. Mm-hmm. I, I need all that to prove myself. It's sad. We are living in, it is, we are living in a world where at this point of time, this is how things are. And you try to do the best you can and you get everything you need to get to where you want to be. Yes, as a woman, as an immigrant physician, I had my own challenges, but I also had a lot of support. I was never afraid to reach out to people I was never afraid to talk to people and say, hey, I want to really do this, but I somehow feel I just cannot get through this. What's the best way to do it? Or how would you advise I do it? Being willing to reach out and ask and accept. I think it should be a a goal to to get through some of the tough situations. That's great. That was very interesting. You know, there are so many pearls of wisdom in that. I just don't even know where to lead, take that conversation next because there is so much, there is so much that you have given Danita in this conversation. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure talking to you and connecting again and learning about your leadership and having our audience get some really good advice on how they can be better leaders and take their own journey to the next step. So thank you. Thank you so much, Asha. Nice talking to you. Thank you for joining me today. If you found this valuable, don't forget to like, subscribe and share this with a colleague. And remember, you are a leader. Tune in in a couple of weeks for the next episode.